Welcome to the first half of the BingeCast on the Binge Media Podcast Network. All of our listeners receive the first half of the BingeCast for free, while premium members receive the full binge. Available exclusively at patreon.com slash binge media. For only $5 a month, premium members get early access to the full binge. Vote on monthly commentaries, tournaments, games, and access to the Binge Media Discord server. Join us today at patreon.com slash binge media for only $5 a month. Well, here, here's your opportunity. And now, the Binge Cast. The Binge Cast. They drink a lot, so let's talk about the Binge Cast. Books and flicks, TV roundup. We we'll all got stuck in a minivan. Moreno's drunk and he's Mexican. Where the fuck is Anna? Where the fuck is Anna? Flip flops, what he's wearing? What the fuck he wearing? Yeah, they're drinking a lot. Some got all the pot. The bench cast. 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 They never will spoil the end. The bench cast. Spoiler alert by TN. And you know the scene they forgot about. Moreno and Law rehabs calling now. Where the fuck is Emma? Where the fuck is Emma? Bigfoot is what is chasing. Hair is fucking dread. Yeah, they're drinking a lot. Sup, cause got all the pot. The bitch cat. The bench cast, the bench cast, the bench cast. The bench cast, the bench cast, the bench cast. The bench cast, the bench cast, the bench cast. Welcome to the bench cast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Jim Law. Work for Media. Quite a few years, actually, ten of them. I'm here with nobody. Not a single person is here with me today. We're going to be doing things a little bit different for this show, for this whole week, actually. I am going to be checking in every single day with a little review here, little review there, covering everything that I do all week. We'll call it a week with law because it's getting harder and harder to record nowadays. Uh, as you could tell, last week we uh, didn't have a show. That's more... Um, not only did we could we not record, there's nothing out right now, movie-wise. This is a movie podcast, there's nothing to watch. And um, we're not just going to make up shit. Like, we're not just all going to decide to watch uh, Hypnotic, because it's new. And uh, we don't want to. We don't want to watch that show. Uh, or that movie. So, um, but I watch lots of stuff at work. As you guys know, as you've listened to over the years, and a lot of that stuff I never talk about because it's just too much. Um, if you were listening a couple weeks ago, you would have known. Like I listened to three seasons of television in one week, three entire seasons of television, and I never, I haven't even really talked about them at all. I talked a little bit about from, but um, I'm going to cover that this week. Every day, 
I'm going to check in a little bit. It's all going to come in as one show. You're not going to get a fucking different show every day, but I'm going to check in with a little bit. I'm going to start with the new, new, uh, new movies and, you know, the, the TV shows that we've been talking about a little bit as they went on. That's, uh, that first one is Succession. I know Alex and Pete both are kind of, well, Pete, I don't know if he's up to date, but he's kind of falling off and Alex was a few behind. I I, I do believe he still loves it though. Um, I still love it. Um, I kind of like it even more right now because there's a lot of clarity this last week with the election episode. If you heard uh, Pete and I talk about it about a month ago, there's sometimes in succession where we're just kind of like, I don't, like, I just, I like the dialogue. I like the interactions between the families and everybody but i don't like the the plot escapes us sometimes we don't really know uh who the players are and on what side this election episode really clarified a lot of things for me one being i don't even know if i knew like roman was republican and the other ones weren't like you know what i mean like i don't I don't know if I knew that. I didn't know if I knew their party status amongst the family. Um, this episode really, I think it was trying to mirror, obviously, uh, the you know, 2016, the year Trump was elected and nobody expected it. And everyone um, thought it was going to be the end of the world. A lot of those feels came back watching this episode. Um, and I like that they're not focusing so much on, like, the board those guys, you know what I mean? And who's it ironically, they're not focusing on the succession of the company. Uh, a lot of focus on Tom in the last couple episodes. And while I don't know if I've ever, uh, not ever, but, uh, I don't know if he's been my favorite character on the show. Like, you know, I, I've never said that, but, um, what they're giving this guy to do the last couple episodes has been phenomenal. That blow up with Shiv on the balcony last week was incredible. An incredible scene. And this week, him, uh, you know, he's worried about his future, his job, the news he gets from Shiv, plus trying to uh, handle all the shit that's going down on election night, which is basically his job at the network. Um, he's the guy that makes the calls on the states, right? He's the guy who who, who tells you, um, if say in real life, say when CNN, we, we are ready to call Georgia. You know what I mean? Like he's that guy. He's the guy that calls that stuff. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. He was pretty, he was pretty awesome in this episode. Greg's getting a lot more to do. Um, I like how their relationship has grown over the years. This episode is cool. It's always weird because Greg always has more to do with things than you think. And it seems to increase every single episode. And I'm kind of like, it's just like he's just a hanger on. He's just he doesn't do anything, blah blah blah. But then you see kind of what he does do, and then he actually stood up to Tom this episode. It was pretty cool. Um, Kendall is—I mean, like Kendall's more wishy-washy than Tom is at this point. The guy never seems to be able to make a decision right away. Uh, I love that the three siblings are basically for these. I think there's two episodes left. Um, it looks like they're going to go to war these last two episodes. I love that Kendall found out about what Shiv was doing and let Rome in on it. And, um, it should fucking, you know, it should play out really fun, really well. And even Connor was funny in this episode. Um, you, you get more clarification on what he's all about. 
um, and he's a billionaire. His uh, his um, speech where he kind of drops out of the race is is probably his funniest moment in the entire series. Um, I'm liking Succession right now. Um, I'm glad to. I'm glad. Like, I feel bad for Pete because he's kind of he got into it real quick when we we uh, talked him into watching it, and then he kind of dropped off real quick. So hopefully he gets back on track with it and finishes it off. I think it's going to be uh, pretty great. All right, let's talk about Barry. Barry um, is another one. Both of them. Alex is, I think is was far behind last time I talked to him. And Pete, I don't even know if Pete had started it yet. Um, this season has been pretty great. I, I'm a big Bill Hader guy. I have been since Saturday Night Live. And, um, you know, every episode that he directed for Barry up until this season was always, like, pretty epic. It was always uh, a standout episode of the season. And I think he's directed every single episode of this season. And that's, it really shows here. I love... Uh, how he presents his story. I love the way he portrays people in his show. Like they don't act the way they don't. They're no no one's cliche. You know what I mean? He doesn't present a like when when Fuchs at uh, this last episode. I'm saying when Fuchs gets out of prison and he has his kind of like posse, his entourage or whatever, and they show up to uh, uh, Hanks and. He's showing him around the house, this new house that he's got them. And just the way that they react to it, how they're all kind of like, ooh. Hater, or this, I don't know if it's just Hater, but this show in itself always kind of delivers that aspect and to not um, giving a group of people, making them a cliche group. This guy, th- there might be a biker gang, but they don't act like it. We saw this with, uh, you know, the... the the Mexican cartel and all that. Like everyone, every time there's a big group of people or even individuals, they, they kind of, they kind of are portrayed much different than you expect. And it, and it keeps you on edge. Um, if you haven't been watching Barry, there is a, and this is for, I guess I'm just talking to Pete right now. If you, if um, you haven't watched, the, there's a big time jump in the season that came kind of out of nowhere. And, I think it was two episodes ago. It was the very end of the episode. There's a huge time jump. And you're left that episode and you're like, well, is that just like a, kind of like a flash forward? Did they do a did they do a lost thing there where they're just showing you for a few seconds what happens way past the end of the show? Um, but no, they kept with it. So the last two episodes have been in that timeline. We've completely jumped ahead uh, quite a few years. And it took a little bit of getting used to again because... Barry and Sally are, you know, very, very different people at this time. Everyone's coming back. I just said Fuchs came back. Uh, Cousineau has now come back. Hank was there from begin- the beginning. And um, now that I'm back into it and, and I'm kind of, you know, accepting this timeline, I'm, I'm you know, I'm back with the show. I want to see this ends out. It's weird, though, because it's all just, it's kind of full circle even though we had that big time jump and there's some, you know, there's some interesting plot devices that they've introduced in that time jump, we're still back in the same plot that we were before the time jump. I don't know if you noticed that or not. It's kind of, it's the exact same story. It's just however many years later. I don't even know if they said uh, how many years it was. But anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm right there. I, the succession, Barry, they're almost, you know, they're almost done forever. And... um I think I'm really going to miss both of them. Uh, 
They've been a, a, a big part of my uh, Mondays at work for quite a long time. And, um, man, it's going to suck when they end. I can't imagine, like, when, when everything's ending in the next few weeks. And, whoo, me fucking tumbleweeds going through uh, what did you watch and TV Roundup for us. But we'll figure it out. Um, so Barry is uh, still great. And I'm, I'm done. I mean, I'm down. Um, from, on the other hand, this is something I, uh, I watched that one week. I watched, uh, when I watch all those seasons of television and then, um, TM texted me and he's like, oh, from buddies, we watch this shit and me and Carrie, we fucking, we just laugh at it all the time. And then he even called in a couple weeks ago and you guys heard the voicemail and I feel bad because I was all excited. Like I, like I watched from beginning to end and a couple nights at work. And I was really into it. Um, but I think what happens here is the week-to-week the -week watching of From, now that I'm on the second season and I, I'm watching it live, oh, it's a much different experience. I feel bad because I was all excited to be with TM, but I'm, I'm fucking hovering over the tapo button here, Tom. Like, this is... This, this show is one of those shows that almost every scene, every conversation, while they're okay... You know, they're moving the plot along, but every conversation ends like this. There's something I have to tell you. And then they end the scene, and you don't go back to that for like four scenes. I hate I hate this process of uh, television or, or just storytelling. It's just, oh my God, it's so fucking annoying, you know? I don't know, and I'd like to go back to see if this was a way like... Lost, because I, I compare this show to Lost a lot. If, if this is the way Lost was presented, I don't know. Walking Dead. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's just, I'm just noticing it because I'm getting annoyed with the show. Um, I get annoyed with the characters. I get annoyed with how they uh, talk, to with each, talk with each other. Um, once Tom brought up the whole, we laugh at the acting. I mean, there was a couple actors in the show that I hated, but now it's, it's getting worse and worse. Um, I get it. I get the hate watching it or just like laugh watching it. Uh, you and like Tom and Carrie, I can I just imagine just throwing it on being a tiny bit intrigued by the plot, but also just kind of like, Oh God, it's this asshole. What's he going to do? You know, it's just fucking, it's, it's getting that way for me, but I just don't know if it's fun for me to, to do it by myself at work i don't have i don't have somebody to laugh with you know and it's uh it's it's getting rough tom i don't know and i feel bad if anyone started this show because of me because i might be ending this show real soon real soon we'll see from is uh it's it's uh walking a tightrope with me right now all right let's get to some movies um, the new new of movies this week. I watched Blackberry. This is a um, Canadian movie about you know the upcoming or the comeuppance, if you will, of uh, the Blackberry phones. Stars uh, Jay Baruchel and Glenn Howerton. Dennis from Always Sunny. Pete is very excited about this because he loves his Always Sunny alumni. Uh, Carrie Ewell, Eels, Eels, uh, is in it. Uh, Michael Ironside shows up. That was weird. 
Michael Ironside looks like my uncle now, and I find that really weird. I think he's Canadian. I think like they needed a like who's the most badass Canadian that we can get to play this role, and they and like Michael Ironside was just walking by outside, and they saw him and they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. he's perfect. He looks so much like a fucking one of my uncles. It's real weird. Um, cast is cast is okay here. Characters aren't. I really like this movie as a whole, and that is 95, 98% because of Glenn Howerton. He's fucking phenomenal in this film. He is so fucking great. He's Dennis. If you ever watch Sonny, he's Dennis, but he's a much more serious version of Dennis, right? Everyone around him is stupid. Everyone around him does everything wrong. He is. Um, he knows how to do everything and for the most part, he's right. I and mean, for the most part, I'm pulling for Glenn Howerton. I don't know if I'm supposed to be pulling for Glenn Howerton. Uh, Jim Balsili. Balsili? Balsili. I don't know. He corrects people in the movie. I don't I didn't remember how to say it. Um, he's the guy that Baronshell and um, Matt Johnson plays Doug. These are the creators of the company that ends up, you know, making the BlackBerry phone. Uh, they go to... Glenn Howerton's character to try to get some uh, funding, some backing uh, to roll out the product. He says no initially, and then he comes back to them. And he kind of, he's the new guy in the company, but he takes hold of the company and he molds it into what it is. Um, His uh, kind of uh, leadership and Jay Baranchel, Mike Lazaridis, Lazaridis, his brains... You know, it seems like the perfect match. And, you know, BlackBerry takes off. I'm not spoiling anything here. Everyone knows what a BlackBerry phone is. And everyone knows how popular they were at one point. And that's a problem with this film, too. Not a problem with it, but you're waiting for you're waiting for the fall, right? Because everyone also knows there is no BlackBerry phones anymore. They don't exist. Nobody has one. Um, well, you might, but, I mean, it doesn't work. So it's it's fun to see it rise. But then um, you're just waiting for that other shoe to drop. You know what I mean? You're waiting for uh, to see how, wh- why it crashes or how it crashes. And that it is. It's interesting. Um, I always like these kind of stories, you know, because I've always said this. I love a, a good doc or whatever. And this isn't a doc. I get that. But a good like story that happened in my lifetime that I don't really know much about. And while I know what a BlackBerry phone is and I know that they went up, real high and then crashed down real low. I don't know why. And I don't know exactly. Well, I do know why. I mean, I knew it was because of the smartphones, the iPhones and whatnot, but I wanted to see, you know, how it affected these people and what it did. And it's kind of ugly. It's, it's not a, it's, it's weird because I don't like Baruchel's character. I think you're supposed to as a film goer, as this, as the story's being told, but he's just such a annoying character He's so timid and he's so, he can't like get a sentence out without fucking, you know, looking at the ground and, 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 do, and doing that. And like, uh, 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 and it's just like, oh, fucking spit it out. And that's when Glenn Howerton comes in and I'm like, yes, fucking take control here. You know, make, make, make some fucking decisions. Do, do something um, right for once. And, and I don't like the arc of Baruchel's character. And I know it's a real arc, right? Like, this is based on a real person. I just, I guess I just don't like Mike 
Lazaridis. I don't like him. He's an idiot. You know? He didn't make very many great fucking decisions in his life. Um, Jim Basile didn't either. But at least he fucking made them. <laughs> he fucking... You know, he was... He, he just, he was just, he's a powerful fucking guy. And I don't know how much of that's just Glenn Howerton. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know. I've never even seen him on the news or anything. I've never seen him in real life. They don't even show him in the movie, which pissed me off. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's, there's, um, there's just something about this movie that I like. I, it's, it's kind of a shaky cam film. Um, there's no real, uh, it's not a smooth watch you know what i mean it's chaotic the company that makes like the uh like baronshaw and matt johnson's company uh is just a a bunch of fucking frat boy nerds they're not frat boys because they're all nerds obviously they're tech nerds but they're just they're like fucking partying in their office all the time movie nights is such a big thing to them and that's it's fun and all that but i guess i'm beyond that point in my life and that's why i uh you know, I lean towards Howerton's character when he comes in and he just starts fucking cleaning house and shaping these fucking young assholes into uh, the the multi-million dollar company that they should be. And it's fun to watch in that way. It's just, it's good. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a fine movie. It is. It's, it's like a seven on 10 for me. I just wish, um, I don't, you know, I don't even know if I wish. I don't, I don't. I just talked about not seeing the cliches in Barry. I don't know if I want it, everyone to be such a cliche in this movie. I kind of appreciate that I don't like... I don't like anyone by the end, but like that I don't like the guy that I'm supposed to like. Um, I, it's just... It was fun in that way. You know what I mean? And I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Like, maybe you're watching this and you're pulling for Jay Baruchel's character. Um, but I, I just I just never was. And his partner, Doug... That Matt Johnson dude, like he's the fucking, he's the worst. He's so useless, this guy. I don't even understand. Um, you know the the title cards at the end, they kind of tell you what what's up and what happened. Even though you know, like I said, you kind of know. Um, they they weren't that satisfying either. They could have been a, a little more in depth. There's a lot of players in this movie that come in and out. Glenn Howerton brings a lot of people to the company. And maybe I wanted to see where they're at now, you know? They're pulling people from Google and from here and, and to make BlackBerry uh, this, like, fucking uh, super team of, of tech phone making. Um, but we don't we don't ever know what happens to those guys. And that, that kind of sucks. But it's still it's still a, a pretty fun watch. Very Canadian movie, by the way. It takes place in Waterloo, Kitchener-Waterloo, which is it's like th- three and a half hours down the road from me. I've been there many times, so it was fun in that way. Um, seven on ten, and uh, I do. I recommend Blackberry. I think uh, it's a fun, if not different, watch. All right. Uh, last thing for today, I will be back. Well, like I said, it's not going to be separated for you. But uh, last thing I'm going to record today is called uh, Hypnotic. I brought this up a little bit earlier because uh, I said we didn't want to watch it, and that's uh, for good reason. This is one steaming pile of bullshit. Holy fuck. Robert Rodriguez and grabs Ben Affleck, and um, that's why I wanted it. That's why I wanted to see it. Right? I'm like, okay, this is uh, this is interesting. Have you ever seen a movie less marketed than fucking Hypnotic? 
Um, like when I found that out, when I found it's a Robert Rodriguez directed film starring Ben Affleck, two people I really like. You know, I don't I'm like everything they do. I mean, Affleck was in one of the worst films I saw last year. Uh, Rodriguez has, you know, while he peaked probably with Desperado for me, um, there's still a lot of fun things that he's done and um, a lot of things that he's been a part of that I, you know, I've enjoyed throughout. Anyways, I, I fucking hear a thing about this. I even saw a fucking trailer for Blackberry, which I imagine is a much smaller film uh, in scale than Hypnotic is. Budget-wise, uh, fucking, you know, just anything, like anything to do with it. You throw Ben Affleck in a movie, and you think you're going to fucking hear about it, and you don't. He just came off air, which is one of my favorite movies of the year so far. It's almost like... This was kind of me. It's 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 that scenario, right? Um, I was just listening to a Paul Rudd interview on Howard Stern. Paul Rudd comes out with Clueless, and he's like, "Oh man, this guy's the best!" But he had already made Halloween Six, and Halloween Six comes out after Clueless, and he's just like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like it's like it's like it comes off like it's his follow up, but it's it was obviously made well before Clueless, and it's fucking shit i feel like that is what happened here maybe the you know the release of air got in the way of when this was supposed to come i don't know man this is fucking horrible this is such a fucking shit movie i i am a stickler for hating shit that's not really happening in a movie whether it be in a dream whether it be in a mirror, you know, all you see is a mirror and then fucking weird shit happens and then he wakes up and he's like, oh, that didn't really happen. I fucking hate that. It's just bullshit storytelling. This whole movie is based on that concept. Hypnotic. So it's all about hypnotizing people. But the method of hypnotizing people is just looking at them and saying any fucking random combination of words, which is so dumb to me. Because... Uh, what's his name? The fucking uh, God damn it! William Fickner is the is the dude that's doing the hypnotaz and right. One girl he'll say like, "Oh, it's it's an inferno today." So she thinks it's real hot, and she goes, and "That you know that makes sense. That's that's hypnotizing to me, right?" Uh, he's got it's like the power of his voice and how he says it, and you know his eyes, and then they they do fucking thirty four different explanations as to why this hypnotic shit works. Um, but then the next guy he hypnotizes, hypnotizes, he doesn't even say anything. To, like he just says, uh, "It's a, it's a, um, it's an after, it's fuck, I don't know what does he say. He says uh, it's afternoon, it's a, it's it's midday or something like that." And then the bank teller's like, it is midday. And then she goes and robs a bank. Like, how does... I, I just don't... It's so fucking frustrating, this movie. It's so frustrating, man, because they keep throwing these twists at you, too. Like, there's a scene near the end where the twist happens, but it's like an onslaught of twists. Like, there's one twist, which leads to this next twist, which leads to another twist... Which ultimately leads to the most amazing twist. And it's just like, what in the fuck is going on? How, are, how do you expect anybody to fucking care at that point? 
How do you care? Why do you care when everything you've watched up to that point, you're just like, oh, so none of that mattered. And then they're going to do it again, and that won't matter. And then, oh, god damn it. And even before the twists, before you find out what's really happening, I've, I've just I lost interest, right? So maybe, and this is a short fucking movie. This is like an, less than an hour and a half. Where is it? What the fucking long is this? Oh, okay. So 132. I guess it was like a credit scene. I didn't even fucking watch it. I, I, I was like, fuck this. I'm done. I don't care about the the final ultimate fucking mega twist. I'm done. Too many twists. And they should have happened like fucking way sooner because it's just so fucking tedious. Affleck's not good in it. Nobody's good in it. You know? Like, you think there's supposed to be this evil fucking hypnotic dude. And he's just, he's so fucking dry and bland. Oh, man. I was so fucking angry watching this movie, man. Um, not, not recommended, not recommended. This is a, this is like a, this is a fucking three on 10. This is a three on 10. I I can't, I can't get behind anything in this movie because it is just, it is fucking, it's just confusing for no reason. It is just an onslaught on your senses when it's just all gibberish. It's all fucking bullshit. Uh, so don't watch, uh, Hypnotic. Well, don't pay for it, anyways. Uh, maybe one day, you know. I, I, I'm not, you know. It's Affleck. Some people just want to see the, the fucking Batfleck. They want to see what he's up to, and that's what I wanted to do. Didn't work out for me. It might work out for you, but fuck this movie. All right, I will be back in a second. I don't know why I keep saying this. Uh, hold on. It when I come back, it's Tuesday. Bye. All right. It's Tuesday. It's NBA Lottery Day. I'm very excited. Um, this is the most NBA talk you'll hear on this network that has an actual sportscast. Um, they, they just do not care about the NBA. Uh, I'm only excited about it because Pistons have a very, very, very good chance to get the number one pick. And that means this fucking Victor Wumba-Laba-Laba-Laba-Yaya um, dude. Could be a fucking piston very soon. Um, my pick to win the finals this year were the Sixers, and they shit the bed. I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm the hugest, biggest Denver Nuggets fan right now. Because even though, you know, my team is not in it, they haven't been in it in quite a bit, uh, as long as there's a team that I truly hate in it, I will pay attention. And there is no franchise, ladies and gentlemen, in the world that I hate more than the Los Angeles Lakers. I fucking hate Magic Johnson. I fucking hate Kobe Bryant. Hated, sorry. Um, I hate LeBron. I hate AD. I I love Shaq though. That's one that you know. I love and you know. If you watch that Shaq documentary, you know it, it makes sense why I love Shaq because he fucking hates the Lakers. They fucking treated him like shit. Um. I fucking, like, I do. I just fucking, I hate Derek Fisher. I hate fucking Rick Fox. Michael fucking Cooper. Kurt Rambis. Fuck it. I just, I hate every single thing about this fucking franchise. Um, they are the most annoying pieces of shit I've ever had to deal with in my life. Um, so, fuck them. Um, 
Dang it, let's go, Pistons. Get that fucking number one pick. All right, there you go. There's your fucking NBA sports cast. Happens at least once every five years on bingemedia.net. All right, let's get to some more shit. What do we got? What do we got for Tuesday? All right, we're going to get a little deep here now. Love and Death is a TV show that I watched the first three episodes were released. I watched all three in a row, got into it. It's a David E. Kelly show, and it is uh, Elizabeth Olsen, who I am, uh, you know, I've always been a big fan of. I like Elizabeth Olsen, also Fat Damon. Who doesn't love Fat Damon? Um, even if you don't love him, you have to love him because he's in pretty much, he's in every other thing that you watch. He is. He's in every other movie and or show that you watch on TV. That is what Fat Damon's bio says. Um, so Elizabeth Olsen, this is a true story. She plays uh, Candy Montgomery. Jesse Plemons plays, uh, Fat Damon plays Alan Gore. This takes place, what does this take place? Early 80s? Fucking by the soundtrack, early '80s, late '70s, early '80s. By the wardrobe, early '80s. <laughs> it's fucking. It's. I don't know. It's funny to watch. It's not one of those, uh, you know, grab at nostalgia shows. It's just the way. It, it's just the way it's presented. Fat Damon. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, Kenny Montgomery is kind of bored with her husband, who is uh, played by uh, Patrick Fugit. 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 Um, and she's bored with this dude. She, you know, she needs something more in her life. And one day <laughs> the, the, she wants to start an affair. She wants, she wants to have an affair. She wants to spice up her life. She chooses Alan Gore, Fat Damon. And why she chooses him real funny. Cause he helped, they play volleyball at this, at their church group. And he, uh, she falls down. They bump into each other. She falls down and he picks her up. And she says, he smells like sex. And that's excites her. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know if that's really how affairs start, but it was it fucking made me laugh because he is. I don't know. I, I I don't you know I don't know what women find attractive, but I didn't think it was Fat Damon. Fat Damon is not the guy uh, that you know. If he has a fucking photo shoot in a magazine, like it's gonna sell magazines. You know what I'm saying? Um, and they play off that. Right, like when she starts an affair with him, he's he kind of is like, huh, me, and um, even when uh, people start finding out, they just they don't really get it. Anyways, she has an affair with this guy, and um, you know, it's it's not like fatal attraction shit. Like nobody's going. It's very it's a very weird, very professional affair that they they hold, and um, it ends. But people start finding out that they had it. And uh, specifically, Alan Gore's wife finds out. And then, uh, this is all in the trailer. I'm not really explaining anything. She is murdered with an axe. She's murdered uh, with an axe in her own home. And uh, it just happens to be that Candy Montgomery is the one that's in that home when it happens. So, it's, uh, what am I at? Episode 5. I think there's only one episode left. A very quick little, you know, mini-series. I'm down. I'm down to see how this plays out. Again, you know, a story that's happened in my lifetime. Didn't know anything about it. Let's let's see what happens. And it's only made into a, a TV show because it's just so fucking wildly fucking stupid, right? Like, you're just like, this happened? Like, 
this church-going community, this happened uh, here, and uh, the, the town that they're in, which I can't even really remember what it is, but whatever. It's like the first murder they've ever had, and it's a woman being fucking chopped up by an axe in her fucking laundry room. Like, it's just, uh fuck. It's funny. It's not portrayed funny, but it's it's pretty funny. Um, Elizabeth Olsen's really great in this. She's just uh, this, like, fucking psychotic little fucking housewife. Um, but plays it like a housewife, like 100% of the time. Like no matter what's happening, she's just like making cookies and fucking bringing her kids to the pool and shit. And, uh, you know, in between that, uh, fucking washing the blood off her clothes and fucking tending to her toe that she almost cut off when she missed with the ax. It's, um, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Watch. I got into it real quick and real easy. So if you want something to watch like this, uh, not so much a mystery, because, I mean, you know what's going on from the second it begins, I guess. Um, it's, but it's just for, the, it's for the, uh, the, you know, the performances and the fucked up story that it is. So uh, Love and Death is on uh, HBO Max, and it's pretty fun. I like it. I like it so far. Can't wait for it to end. Um, Ted Lasso, speaking of fun, is always fun. You know, it's not, it's weird. I, it's weird that we even cover Ted Lasso on the on the network because it's just not that, it's not the type of show, first of all, that we really get into. It's not like we're ever going to do commentaries for it. Um, it's just, it's just like a, it's just like a, I don't know, a guilty pleasure that most of us watch. I know Pete doesn't, but Alex did. I think he's behind on it this this year too. He's behind on everything, by the way, this Alex dude. Um, it, but it, you know, we just watch it f- for something to watch. I mean, talking about it is hard because it's not like oh, fucking huge twist and Ted Lasso or what. This is never a conversation we have watching Ted Lasso. It's just like cool soccer scene in this episode. Um, it's more of a conversation for me and Jess, right? Like we talk about it, uh, we give our predictions and whatnot. Um, but it's coming to an end, so it's not like you know, it's it, it didn't have a big spot on on this show over the years, but it was worth my time, um, no matter what. There've been times that I got mad at it. You know, I try to make something more than it really is. You know. I don't know why this fucking beard character matters to me so much, but when he had that episode last season, fucking ugh, totally shit the bed and I got angry about it. And then they have this season, one of my favorite moments of the year this season is the fucking Hey Jude scene. If you're watching Ted Lasso, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it just really fucking hit me, man. Like, I really love this fucking scene. And uh, I had a conversation with Jess. We were texting about it afterwards. And I was just like, that Hey Jude scene was was just something else, man. Like, I loved it. And she was like, nah, it was okay. She's like, it didn't really, it didn't really affect me as much as it did you. And I, and then I texted back. I was like, yeah, well, you're, you know, your parents didn't divorce when you were a little kid. And uh, I was like, everyone, everyone needs a coach beard in their life. And she, uh, she texted back. She goes, yeah, you're right. You know, that's exactly why they, they just, they, they hit me really hard in this scene. Um, Coach Beard's fucking amazing in that scene. He's been really good all season. Back to his normal fucking, you know, perf, almost like honest to god, perfect secondary character. One of the greatest secondary characters, supporting cast, um, I've ever watched. I fucking love him so much. And um, 
you know, everyone else is fine. I don't know how this is going to end. I mean, I know how it's going to end. It better end fucking happy. Uh, it wouldn't make sense if it did. Imagine this whole show just about Ted Lasso being the nicest guy in the world and then, like, he dies or something in the last episode. Like, could you fucking imagine they did some shit like that? I don't know, man. That'd be weird. Uh, I imagine it's going to be very, very happy ending. Everyone, like, who you want together is going to be together and uh, there will be fucking championships of soccer. Football, if you will. All right. Ted Lasso, almost done. All right, um, movie time is, uh, the first one's The Pope's Exorcist. I, actually, I want to explain both of these together because I kind of came upon them together. Uh, the other one is Renfield, and I only want to talk about them at the same time at the beginning here because I kind of saw their trailers at the same time. One of those, you know, I don't watch a lot of live TV, um, so I don't see trailers just in passing unless it's during a basketball game. Uh, which is, um, you know, very far and few between uh, when it comes to movie trailers. But I will sit down at YouTube and I will just like, let's go, let's watch a whole bunch of trailers in a row. Let's catch up on all the shit that I haven't been seeing. Um, Pope's Exorcist and Renfield were both like one sitting. I watched both of them. Pope's Exorcist trailer was fucking surprisingly good. Like, really good. Like, Russell Crowe is... uh, you know, this exorcist and this demon uh, is possessing this uh, this fucking boy. And he has a vendetta with uh, Father Gabriel Amorth. That's uh, Russell Crowe. And uh, so it's like a personal fucking, you know, exorcist. That he, has to, he has to go in there and ex- exorcise that demon. Um, and it, you know, fucking looks over the top. Looks like, you know, exorcist on steroids. Fucking so much shit going on. Um, fucking fire and fucking crawling on ceilings and fucking all this, you know, every, everything that happened in the Exorcist times a million. Really interesting. And then Renfield trailer comes on, I don't know, right after it maybe. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Nicolas Cage, sure, that'll, that'll get your interest. Oh, he's playing Dracula. Okay, that's interesting. But then the, you see the trailer and you're just kind of like, well, I know exactly I know exactly what how this movie is. Like, I know exactly what it's about. I know exactly how it's going to be. And uh, I don't have any interest in it. So one night at work, I got nothing. And both both movies. Let's go. Let's watch both of them. And here's the thing. like I ended up really disliking Pope's Exorcist and really liking Renfield. Let's start with Pope's Exorcist. It's, uh, I heard nothing about this. There's no talk or anything about this on, uh, on, our, on our, uh, our Discord chat where I, yeah, I hear a lot about um, stuff or Facebook group or even Facebook in general. didn't hear much about it. Uh, I know J- my, my wife, Jess, she really wanted to see it because she thought the trailer was good also. Um, this is horrible. This is not anything that I expected. The family that's getting possessed is like 110% annoying. Like there isn't a second I'm watching this family where I, I feel for them or I don't want harm to come upon them. Like, I, I 110% want harm to come upon them all the time. And uh, so there's no, I don't know, there's no grief when it does. You know what I mean? Uh, Russell Crowe comes in. He's this badass fucking priest. Old, like, he's the Pope. Sexist. He's He works for the Pope. Like, the Pope fucking sends him out and does shit, right? But he's got... Um, underlings that uh, in the in the catholic church that don't want him like people under the pope i'm saying like this council they don't they don't trust him and they don't want him to do this and so there's this whole fucking catholic political fucking storyline going on that i don't care about and then he gets to the fucking house and 
all this shit starts happening. It's fucking, it's just so boring. It's just so awful and fucking tedious bullshit. Like, I just don't care about it. Um, I ever, I heard that they want to make sequels to this and shit. Like, it's going to be a franchise. And, I mean, good for Russell Crowe. He deserves, he deserves some action, man. He deserves some money. He's a great actor. He really is. But this just isn't it for me. I, I don't, I don't care. I don't care about this movie. I don't recommend this movie. It's a four on ten. That's it. Renfield, on the other hand, there was a little bit of talk. There was a little bit of talk on the on the Discord chat, but it was all negative shit. People were like, oh, I started Renfield and fucking, I didn't even fucking continue. It was boring as hell. And then Ammon was talking to uh, Alex. I think he brought this up on the show a couple weeks ago. And uh, Ammon was like, fuck this movie. And this is Ammon. He fucking loves Nicolas Cage. So I'm like, fucking... Any high hopes, which were none, uh, were obliterated. I didn't care about this at all. Um, but I ended up having fun with this, you know? So Nicholas Holt is playing Renfield. He is like, um, if you ever watch like these old like vampire lore stories, the bug eaters, um, he gives his kind of assistant, Dracula, he gives his assistant these powers, but they have to eat bugs to get the powers and they are supposed to bring him food, right? They bring him fucking young fucking virgins or whatever the fuck Dracula wants. And Renfield has a conscience. He doesn't want to do this shit anymore. And he's bringing them. He's like, he, he's trying to find the worst people in society and bring them to Dracula. But Dracula doesn't like the taste of them or whatever. They're fucking awful. And so Dracula starts fucking, you know, screaming at him and bring me more shit and, I think um, I think a big reason why a lot of people don't like this is Aquafina. I don't care; uh, like she doesn't bother me at all, and I think she's actually pretty decent in this movie. Like I don't I don't know why you would hate her in this movie. She's she's pretty funny. This whole movie is a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be, um, because she is the the daughter of a old cop that died at the hands of this um, gang. Um, kind of led by Ben Schwartz's mom. Ben Schwartz plays like the fucking bratty, uh, you know, fucking mafia kid or whatever fucking that wants to fucking be a badass and do all this. He thinks he can do anything because they own all the cops and all that. And it seems like Aquafina is the only one that's not being paid off by these people or doesn't want to be paid off by these people because her father was murdered by him. Anyways, she comes across Renfield and they have this whole fucking battle scene, which by the way, this is like an action film. Like it's like, the fucking fighting scenes in this are pretty fucking phenomenal. It's very, very gory. Like, over-the-top gory. Like, when I say over-the-top, I mean, like, the the blood is in abundance, but it's also, like, bright red blood. Like, it's just, like, fucking splatter scream. Like, you know what I mean? Like, fucking punches take heads off and shit like that. And that's, I don't know, that's funny to me. I like that kind of shit. When Renfield fights, it's uh, it's always over-the-top. And he's, you know... They're really well choreographed fight scenes and all that kind of shit. Nicolas Cage is pretty much exactly how you would think he would be as Dracula. He's way over the top. He's uh, he's fun. He's evil. He's I don't know how else to explain him. You know what I mean? Um, so it's 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 the coming together of Dracula and this gang, and the and then them kind of partnering up against Aquafina and Renfield. Uh, that's basically the, you know, 
the, the plot for the last half of this movie. And um, I don't know, man. I just, I fucking enjoyed this. I I came home immediately and told my daughter, like, you need to watch this now. Like, it's just, it's just, it was just a lot of fun. And those are sometimes, those are the best surprises at work. When you just, like, you regretfully press play on a movie where you're just like, oh, like, okay. I got to kill these next two hours. Um, Let's get through this, you know. Hopefully the phone doesn't fucking come into play too soon. Um, but then I was just kind of like sucked in almost immediately. I was like, oh, this is fun. This is, I like the action. I like the fights. I like the fucking um, quick dialogue. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it was an all right time. Did I rate Pope's Exorcist? I think I did. I think I gave it a four. All right. So Renfield would be, Renfield would be a, I'm not going to go crazy about it. It's like a, it's like a six, six and a half. Let's go soft six and a half. Fuck you, Jack. Um, so, I mean, I, I can't say I wouldn't recommend it because I immediately did to my daughter. Um, so, if you want um, a somewhat funny Nicolas Cage fucking vampire movie, uh, yeah, I recommend it. That's Renfield. All right, that's Tuesday. Uh, I will be back to, well, like I said, I'll be back in th- two seconds for you, but hopefully I'll be back with the fucking number one pick in the NBA draft. All right. Hey now, it's Wednesday. Um, very, you feel, it's very Bill Burr feels like when you're recording by yourself. My lady! Am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Um, yeah, number one draft pick. Woohoo! How do you drop from, you know, you're the worst team in the league. You have the best odds along with two other teams. and But you're the only one that drops four spots in the lottery draft. You get the fifth spot. Oh, my God. What a fucking gigantic pile of horse shit that was. <clears throat> All right. This is why no one talks about the NBA because they fucking fix it and rig it. And No, I'm, I'm just joking. I don't think that, but fuck them. Uh, let's move on with some stuff. I watched some more new movies. Um, Sisu. You know what? Am I going to start with movies? I'm going to start with movies. Someone called in about this, or someone told us about this, and I'm sorry. I never, I never remember who tells us about. I, think, I believe it was a voicemail. It was either King or Alex, or I don't know. All white people all look the same to me. Um, this is a 2022 movie directed by Jelmari Hilander. I think he's Finnish. He's done stuff like um, I didn't look him up till after I saw the movie. Uh, Rare Exports, a Christmas Tale, which I actually did see um, way back in the day. It was a 2010 movie, and Big Game, 2014, with Samuel Jackson. I've heard of it. I don't know if I've ever seen that though. Uh, Sisu is a plot summary a synopsis. When an ex-soldier who discovers gold in the Lapland wilderness tries to take the loot into the city. Nazi soldiers led by a brutal SS officer battle him. Oh, man. <clears throat> I had, you know, in my travels of download, downloading shit for work, Sisu uh, popped up. It's just not a, I don't, I didn't know what to make of the poster. If you look at the poster, it's just this really uh, grimy, gritty dude kind of looking into the camera. Um, 
it looked like he wearing a hat at first. Like now that I'm now that I've seen the movie and I can look at the poster like realistically, you see a lot more. That's weird. You ever happened? That ever happened to you? Like when you look at a poster and you're just like, blah. You see the movie, and then you go back and look at the poster and you just noticed a whole bunch of shit. Like he's not wearing a hat. It's a fucking knife, and all the Nazis are in the knife. Like I, I didn't. I don't know. I feel like an idiot after. Uh, I feel like an idiot because this movie's fucking amazing. This is one of the most fun times I've had this year watching uh, a film. This dude, um, I mean, there's chapters in this movie. First one is just, not a lot of talking, by the way, in this film. Uh, First one is just him uh, mining for gold, you know? And he's all by himself, and he looks like this is old fucking, you know, old chiseled old dude that's been through a lot of shit, and he's finding, um, going through, um, you know, however you mine for gold, whatever. And he finds a little bit. Very excited about that. And then he finds a lot. And then um, he piles it all into these bags, gets on his horse, and decides to go. I guess he's just going to cash it in, right? And, uh, yeah, this is in the middle of a war. And there's a bunch of fucking Nazis roaming the streets on tanks and fucking, you know, um, trucks and fucking motorbikes. You know, this movie, I was just, I was trying to think. The whole time I was watching, I was like, well, how can I describe this to someone to recommend it? Because I'm definitely recommending this movie. It is such a good time. And it comes down to this. This is if Tarantino directed an Indiana Jones movie in the vein of a Mad Max film. That, I feel like, encapul- or, um, captures what I'm trying to... Uh, tell you I watched it is so much fucking fun it's over the top yeah it's unbelievable at times yeah but this dude is a legend right and one of the chapters is called uh, the legend and uh, they tell his story and what uh, the people throughout the the, the, the different cities and the different uh, cultures of the war have been saying about this guy and um, <laughs> he just refuses to die and everyone wants to kill him. Everyone wants his gold. And he is just one badass motherfucker. I don't know if I've ever seen this dude. Let me see if I've seen this dude. What the fuck's his name? Jorma Tamilia? I don't fucking know. I'm going to look and see if he has any other movies here. Uh, no, he's just been in this uh, He's just been in this director's movies. So, uh, I, well, I guess I have seen him since I've seen Rare Exports. But, fuck. This is great. This is so much fun. Um, the action is intense. The kills are over the top and hilarious. Um, there's a lot of fucking, not jump scares, but just moments where you're just like, what the, what the hell just happened? Um, yeah, very Indiana Jones-esque if, uh, you know, just much darker and much more serious in tone. Um, it is fun. I mean, there is dark comedy here to be had like you you were gonna laugh a lot in this movie because i did but it's not like you know it's not slapstick or anything like that it's just a fucking great time sisu's a fucking first watch this is like an easy it's a soft oh fuck i don't want to go crazy here um ah fuck it it's a soft eight on ten like it is really that good i i just had so much fun with it you got to let go a little bit here you can't you know 
you can't be saying, oh, they didn't, they didn't do that in the war. If you're that guy, don't fucking, just don't watch it. Just don't watch any movie. Just fucking go to bed. Fuck off. Um, eight on ten. All right, Paint. Switching up here, doing all the movies first. Paint is with Owen Wilson. He plays Carl Nargle. <laughs> stupid. Carl Nargle, Vermont's number one public television painter, is convinced he has it all. A signature perm, custom van, and fans hanging on his every stroke. Until a younger, better artist steals everything and everyone Carl loves. Owen Wilson plays, uh, you know, basically uh, Bob, Bob Ross. Is that his name? Bob Ross? I didn't watch Bob Ross ever. Bob, 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 blah, blah. Bob, blah, blah. Yeah, uh, he's basically being inspired by Bob Ross. And he has a paint show, and he paints these little fucking paintings every day, and everyone. He has this like old person following, and it's a very small town. And um, I don't know what I was expecting here. I, to be honest, I saw this, uh, you know, trailer for this or whatever. I didn't even see the trailer. I just saw the poster, and it looked funny. But then I never heard anything about it, so it, it stayed in my uh, one of my folders at work for a couple weeks. Anyways, I just wasn't inspired to watch it. So, um, because I'm doing this and I need to, uh, just, you know, empty everything out in the table this week for you guys. I watched it last night and, um, it's just a little bit boring and I'm, I, I don't know the, I get the, the concept of the film and everything. It's very like, what if, um, like it's like a fucking kind of dark secret, um, lifestyle of Bob Ross, you know, like that's what inspired the filmmakers here. Like, what if he is a womanizer, and what if he uh, is only doing this because of something that happened in his childhood? And what if, and you know what I mean? Like, it's all this little stuff, and and ninety five percent of the movie is is uh, like a Bob Ross episode. Like, so everyone talks like this, even when he's not painting, they talk to each other like this and he talks like this so everyone around him talks like this and that gets annoying real for real fast real fast Stephen Roots in this um what's her what's her nuts uh Wendy McClendon Covey uh like the, the mom from uh Goldbergs she's in this Michaela Watkins is pretty good in this uh but I mean they're all fine there's not a lot to do here with their characters you know what I mean there's no one's gonna win any awards here um Owen Wilson, it's kind of scary how well he fits into a role like this. It's just not for me. I I just don't, you know, I'm not into, um, I just, I just wanted something bigger here. Either go bigger with the laughs or go bigger with uh, the, the dark side of this. I think it plays in the middle a little too much and uh, wasn't what I wanted one way or the other. So, I mean, it's fine. It's a 5 on 10 for me. It's fine. It passes. But uh, I'm not, you know, it's, it's nothing I could recommend. I don't know. I'll just tell you. All right. Bup Kiss. I don't know if you've heard of Bup Kiss. This is the Pete Davidson TV show. I had no idea about this. Thought pop up. It's a Peacock series. Started on May 4th. And, uh, time for me to fill some fill some spots at work right follows pete davidson's life combining ground story right grounded storytelling with some absurd elements from the world of view for which davidson is well known all right so 
my thoughts on Davidson, I mean, he, you know, he came on real strong on Saturday Night Live in his very early days. And then uh, he talked, because talking about his mental health and talking about all the shit that he's been through, if you don't know Davidson's story, it's pretty well known. His father died in, the, uh, in 9-11 and um, he's got some major mental health problems because of it and he's working himself through it. He likes to do the drugs, you know, he... He got uh, a lot of leeway on Saturday Night Live, and uh, Lauren Michaels like we would give him months off and shit like that, and whatever, man. And, and then he fucks all these really hot mega celebrities. This is this is supposed to be like the story of his life, Re- really toned down a little bit, I imagine. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of talk. There's actually no talk. Well, there's one episode. Uh, John Mulaney shows up in one episode to kind of talk about drug use with him. It's a really good scene, actually. To be honest with you, I, I ended up liking this a lot more than I thought I was going to. It's not all because of Pete Davidson. Um, he's probably uh, one of the worst parts of the show. He's not He's not horrible, but he's not one of my favorite parts of the show. Because I'll tell you what, I didn't know anything about this. I didn't look at a poster, didn't do any research on this show at all I just you know I got the whole season and I started it at work and uh first scene um his mom comes downstairs while he's jerking it with a fucking uh, oculus headset on and um he he jizzes all over his mom's uh tits like it's it's so you know they're setting the stage here I don't really I don't know it was kind of a stupid joke or whatever but his mom is Edie Falco and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, this is this is pretty much television royalty. You know what I mean? She's the leading, like the the female lead and arguably the greatest television show of all time. Um, so right off the hop, I'm kind of like, whoa, what the hell is going on here? Like, how did he get Edie Falco to be in a show about his, his stupid life that no one really wants? Then his grandfather shows up and it's Joe fucking Pesci. And I'm like, what in the fuck? How how does Pete Davidson have uh, the same power as Scorsese? Like, didn't Scorsese take months for him to talk Pesci into doing The Irishman, coming out of retirement and doing anything really? I thought he was like he was completely done with acting. And there's uh, there's Pete Davidson getting Joe Pesci to fucking star in Bub Kiss. And there's more too. There's like, like uh, Pesci's best friend, Brad Garrett, who had an amazing run on um, "I'm Dying Up Here." Uh, I think it's episode two or three. Bobby Carnavale comes in as as his uncle, and he's just fucking incredible. He's like the Bobby Carnavale. If you ever heard, heard, if you ever heard me and Alex talk about how much we love this dude, this is that dude. You know, he comes in, he fucking, he marries, like, he marries his uh, his mom's sister, so he's his uncle, I said that, and he's just, he hates everything about his life, and he's, like, he wants to live through Pete, because Pete, look at, Pete's playing himself here, he's, he's got, you know, all these offers, and he's doing all this kind of shit, but he's still living in his mom's basement, and I, you know, I don't know how realistic this is. I think it's kind of realistic, because he once did an interview with Stern, and this was during COVID, and he was in his mom's basement, so 
this dude lives in his mom's basement. I don't know. He hasn't done, you know, too much since Saturday Night Live. He had that uh, King of Staten Island. He's got this. He's doing fucking, like, subway commercials now or some shit. And he just fucks hot bitches. Um, Ray Romano has a recurring fucking role that's pretty fucking hilarious. Uh, I told you John Mulaney shows up. And there's, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of good stuff happening uh, around fucking Pete Davidson's character in this movie, and this TV show. One of the funniest fucking cameos I've ever seen, though, happens when he goes to rehab a little bit later in the season, and he's looking around at the people there. Um, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you need to just fucking keep an eye out for that, because it is, it's just so out of fucking nowhere. I had no, it was just really funny. This is an alright show. You know, I don't, like, I, again, it, Davidson seems like the type of guy, like, you either, you've made your mind up on him already. Seems like a little late for this show, like, to introduce him to you. You've either fucking decided I don't want anything to do with this fucking twat, or, um, uh, yeah, he's got an interesting life story, which I think is the minority. I did, I was just, I, you know, I was there when he got introduced on Saturday Night Live, and I was like, wow, this that was a really good bit. It was just a fucking uh, weekend update, you know guest spot where he came out and fucking talked about a whole bunch of shit and blew everybody away and it's referenced when Mulaney shows up they reference that very uh that very bit and I'm glad they did that that you know they're very self-aware in that aspect that he just kind of did one thing and then kind of took off and then everything kind of crumbled around him and that's in a nutshell the show what I that sentence I just said so I don't know man you I I I'm recommending the show, but I mean, if you already made up your mind on uh, Davidson and you don't give a fuck, then you're not going to give a fuck about this. Um, I'll, I'll watch. Uh, I, I don't know if there's going to be another season, but if there is, I'm going to watch it. All right. Uh, so, Rich and Shameless is a. I think it's a TN. Yeah, it's a TNT documentary s- series that I kept seeing commercials for during basketball games. About, you know, TNT. Carries NBA games. They had a lot of uh, NCAA tournament games. I just could never get a hold of it. I couldn't get my hands on any of the episodes for one reason or another. Um, I finally got access to the entire first season. Second season just started, by the way. I'll get to that in a second. I haven't been able to watch it, but I'll tell you what they're about. But the first season, some of them, there's uh, seven documentary, like um, little docu episodes. Some are much longer than others. Some of them are fucking useless, uh, such as the crime against Pam and, Pam and Tommy. I, we just we just kind of watched a whole television series about this. Nothing new here. It was very very boring. It was. Um, it, by the way, this came out February twenty twenty two, so I don't know what the timing was of uh, the TV show and this, but it just <laughs> because I watched it after it lost, it lost in the that battle, and then there's another one about. Uh, the Harris and the Sex Cult, episode six. This is um, uh, the Keith Rainier fucking cult. What the fuck were they called? God damn it. Uh, Vi- no, I don't know. Um, you know, the Sex Cult where they branded them. And um, there was that fucking show that had like two seasons that we were really into. And then we didn't understand why there was two seasons. It just kept going on and on and on and on and on. Um, it's again 
nothing really new here, except for they focus on one of the characters that's not really focused on in that series, and it's about the girl with all the money that's, you know, basically funding Keith Raniere and then all all the shit that he does, and um, yeah, it's just it's just a different, little bit of a different perspective. But at the same time, I felt myself uh, bored watching it. So, I don't know. but the one I like, or a couple I like. Uh, there's a Girls Gone Wild exposed. This is episode two. And it talks, uh, this focuses on Joe Francis and the upcoming uh, of uh, Girls Gone Wild. If you're a 90s teen, you know, you know all about Girls Gone Wild. Um, he just basically would walk around uh, fucking spring break with a camera and make girls take their tops off and do all this kind of shit. Um, this is fascinating because of how much a fucking douchebag Joe, Joe Francis is. Like, it's unbelievable. I, I, you could imagine just watching one girl gone wild tape of how much of a douchebag he is, but we got like an hour and a half of, of just highlighting it, of just showing us what it, like the blueprint for being the world's biggest douchebag. Fascinating fucking doc series here, man. This was really fucking fun. And, um, to see like, I don't spoil too much of it, but he's a family friend of the Kardashians. Go figure, right? That whole crowd, that that like uh, the Hills crowd, you know, the the Kenners and or, and and the, and the fucking what's her name, uh, Heidi Montauk and all them, and then the Kardashians. Did I say the Kenners, the Jenners, the Benners, the Senners, the Senators. He's a friend of all of them. And when he goes to jail for illegally uh, filming underage girls in in a shower and paying their friends to jerk him off, he's in jail for it. And they have a camera on Kim Kardashian wearing a Free Joe shirt uh, because she feels like he's wrongly imprisoned. Um, Just an absolute fucking disgrace the fucking Kardashians are like, I, Oh my God. Ugh, it makes me hate so many people. And I love it. I love when a doc can make me just hate everyone that's in it. You know, I'm either, I either want to love everyone or hate everyone or just hate one person. But here I hate everyone. And it's fucking phenomenal. Love it. This is a great episode. The episode right after it, um, pharma bro versus Wu Tang clan. This was even, might even be better because I didn't know a lot about this at all. I'm not a big Wu-Tang guy. I know who they are. And this Pharma Bro dude, there is a doc out there that I, again, I've never been able to get my hands on. And he, it's always, a, like, I still haven't seen it. I've always wanted to hear the story about this guy. This is the guy that raised the prices on the AIDS medicine, you know, like 200 and something percent. So Pharma Bro versus Wu-Tang is about Wu-Tang recorded a one like one copy of a of a CD and kind of put it up for auction and uh Pharma Bro is the dude that fucking won it like he auctioned to win the CD and then Wu-Tang you know realized who this dude was and it was a fucking battle uh Pharma Bro versus Wu-Tang Clan this was fucking fascinating like all this shit I know both parties involved, you know what I mean? Uh, I've heard uh, a little bit of Pharma Bro, want to hate him, really want to hate him. Um, again, 
Oh, I fucking hate him. You know, this is fucking phenomenal dark shit. Give me someone to hate and tell me all about him. So I hate him more. And uh, they did it. They did it right here again. Two in a row. Just letting the fucking rage flow. You know? Episode three, Farmer Bro versus Wu-Tang Clan. Really, really good. So we get, we're like two for three now. We got Crime Against Pam Tommy. And then we do uh, Brian Williams, uh, the Chicago Bull, Detroit Pistons fucking player that disappeared on his boat uh, after the you know the Bulls won the championships a couple times. That's That was an interesting... I remember this story, but that was still an interesting watch because I didn't remember all the details. And then we kind of go... Yeah, and then the end of the season's not as... Uh, Interesting. There's a Bitcoin millionaire. This one's Canadian. The Bitcoin millionaire that dies uh, in India, and everyone thinks that he faked his death. Uh, it's pretty interesting, but I don't know. I, the whole Bitcoin thing always turns me off. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about ever. Uh, then, then we got the uh, uh, Nvidia. What the fuck is that cult called? Nexium. Nexium. Keith Ranieri's Nexium one. And then the final one is uh, Pete Nygaard's Unseen Tapes. So this is guy, this is another Canadian one. And um, this guy that fucking made, he had all these stores in Canada. I asked Jess about it. I don't remember this dude, but I asked Jess about it. And she's like, yeah, there, we used to have a Nygaard store in our mall. Um, and just what this dude was all about. This one's a, it was an okay season finale because. Again, I hate this dude. This guy's gross. He's like 80. And he, uh, he fucking wants to stay young so bad. He's, this is all about psych. He like, fucking wants stem cell research done. Like he wants to do it in his fucking house and shit. Like he, he's like recruiting young women to get their fucking eggs and shit. Like, like fucking the younger the better, he says at one point. If you get an abortion, that's the best kind of. Stem cell research. He's the fucking worst, this dude. He, he takes his shirt off at one point. He's like, look at this. He's like, it's a 20-year-old's body, uh, and I'm 70. And it's not. It's not a 20-year-old's body. It's a fucking, it's a 70-year-old body that, you know, did a couple push-ups. It's fucking gross. You're gross, dude. Peter Nygaard. Yeah, there's all these parties. He like, had his place on an island. And all these parties with these fucking young girls walking around. You can imagine how that ends and they all fucking band together. Take down this fucking seven-year-old fucking creeps. Fucking that thinks he's 15 years. Oh, he's so fucked up. This guy. Anyways, this is a good episode. These are pretty good. You know? Rich and shameless. So, second season has started. What do we got here? Uh, Looks like only one's been on so far. And it's called Rodman's Stolen Millions. So, right away, interested. The next one, though. This is, uh, as I record, it's actually airing tonight. Um, Hulk Hogan versus Gawker. So, I mean, if you ever heard anything about this, now this is a big thing on Stern. So, I, I heard about it a lot. This is uh, Hulk Hogan fucking uh, Bubba the Love Sponge's wife. And he fucking taped it. And then the video got out and all that fucking Gawker fucking released it. Um, this is this is going to be really interesting. I'm probably not as interesting as I hope because I kind of know a lot about this, but very, very interested. And then the next two are uh, A Deadly Football Hit and Basketball Murder for Money. So it sounds like two kind of uh, similar situations. One with an NFL player and one with an NBA star. The NFL one is Eric 
Napowski, Napowski, and the NBA one is Lorenzen Wright's Brutal Murder. So those those look good. Maybe they uh, kicked it up a notch in the second season, but uh, I can't recommend them all. But I mean, if you want some cool, you know, they mix it up some sports docs and just some in general celebrity docs or just super rich people docs. They're really good. Most of them. Most of them are really good. Uh, Like I said, that Hulk Hogan one airs tonight. It's on TNT. You're listening. You're not listening to this tonight, so what the fuck's the matter? It it aired last week. Dick. All right, last one I want to talk about. Kin. Alex and I have been talking about this for a couple years now. This is the end of the second season. Um, Not a lot of other people talk about this, and I, I don't know if I've called this out on the show before, but no one ever really calls in about it or fucking writes in the discord group about it i don't know if anybody watches this this is charlie cox daredevil about his family of uh degenerate gangsters and how they all hate each other and the backstabbing and the fucking swindling and the secrets and all the shit that goes on in their family the kinsellas so second season's now done um i think alex is behind on it I uh, will wait for him to catch up before we talk about it, um, but it's great. The second season was phenomenal because of the uncle that shows up, Bren, and uh, he is such an, a fucking despicable fucking human being. It is what this show needed. They needed to uh, focus on a villain. They did so. He was phenomenal all season. He's amazing. Um, the end's pretty, you know, it's not, it's... Predictable and then shocking. It's weird. It's uh, I like how I like what they do here at the end. Um, you know, some big big moments in the final episode. I don't know how the show goes, where it goes from here though, um, because of these uh, these things that happen at the end. But it, it was it was pretty great season. It made for a great season of television. Who knows? Maybe this is it. You know, this would be a good place to tap out. Although I kind of want to see what happens after, like just to see where they go. And then I'll tap out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to see what <laughs> the ramifications of this this day that they have. It's a really bad day. It's a weird day for the Kinsellas in the, in the finale. If this is it, though, I'm good. I'm real good. This is this was a good show. Uh, I love catching these fucking under-the-radar fucking, you know, decent, really good cast, fucking just great dramas, crime dramas. They're phenomenal. Um, this was one of them, man. I was really happy that I watched. I got to uh, watch this as it was going on, and one of those too. Like, kind of binge the first season and then watch week to week here in the second season. Or no, you know what? I think I watched week to week the entirety of it, and I was okay with it. Like every time it popped up, I was kind of like, "Yes, new episode of Kin," and that's a good feeling to have when you're watching a, shit, a show like that. Uh, yeah. So that's it. That's it for uh, today. That is uh, Wednesdays. Fucking roundup. A lot of shit going on. Sisu, see it. Paint, don't. Bupkis, maybe. Rich and Shameless, some of them. Kin, get on it. Get on it, people. All right, that's it. I'm going to be back tomorrow with my final day because we are all heading out on Friday. Uh, None of us are going to be around. That's why I'm doing this. And uh, hopefully, I'll have some good shit. I don't know what it is. See you in a minute. And I'm back. See how quick that is? So fast. Um, It is now Thursday. I 
I'm done for the week. This is my uh, last update. I have a four-day weekend at work. I'm going away. I'm going to drink. I'm going to do lots of stuff. But I'm not going to be watching any movies. <clears throat> Maybe. We'll see. Might get some Fast and Furious. Next week, um, yeah, I don't know who's going to be around, but uh, hopefully we get the Fast and Furious movie in. Um, whatever else. I don't know. I don't have a schedule in front of me because I got all this shit in front of me. I'm going to start with the movie and the worst thing about today. It's called The Third Saturday in October. I fall for this every once in a while. Um, it's like the day a movie gets released online or whatever, or available, if you will. I go, I look at it, I like the title, you know, and that's interesting. Uh, I look at the poster, oh, old school horror vibe, kind of like uh, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which I loved a few years ago. And then I go look at the the rating, the IMDb rating, and it's pretty high. It's like 7.3 or whatever. I'm like, all right, sold, fuck, that's all I need, three for three. And then I watch it, and it's just, it's like, it was made in some guy's fucking backyard with his buddies. And you realize all those IMDb ratings are those buddies, like the people that made the movie with him. And it hasn't had a chance to uh, reach a wide audience, which is why it's got such a high score. I look at it right now, it's a 4.4. Yes, that that's the rating it should have. This is a synopsis. When a psycho cop goes on a murderous rampage after surviving a botched execution, only two survivors of his initial attack can stop him. Um, I mean, look at even the synopsis I was okay with. You know, old school fucking horror. It looks like a 1970s um, slasher movie. And I'm always down for some fun with that. There's no fun to be had here. So it, this is really, really, it's just really Bad filmmaking, bad editing, bad sound, bad acting. Um, there's nothing I can really praise about this movie. It didn't give me any of the feels that I wanted it to. Don't see it ever. You're probably never going to come across it. This is the only <laughs> this is the only time you're ever going to hear about it. So I'm, I apologize, and also forget everything I just said. All right, uh, three TV shows to end the week, ladies and gentlemen. Picard season three. I watched, I think I watched like the first couple episodes of Picard season one. None of season two. Um, and I, you know, I did watch like from the get-go Next Generation, uh, which, you know, Picard premiered on, Star Trek Next Generation. Uh, I watched that when it came out live. You know, I was pretty young. What was it? 87. <sighs> So I mean I was I was I was like 13 years old. I knew of Star Trek. I'd been to the Star Trek movies even though I didn't understand anything that was going on. Um so I wanted my own Star Trek, right? Like I wanted I want okay, this is my Star Trek. Now I can get into this. And I watched it for a fairly long time. I don't know when I dropped out. I don't even know how many fucking seasons it went it went, but I just know uh I tapped out at some point. I just got I don't know, bored, or maybe I did finish it. I have no idea. I have no idea. What this season did was, um, it, I, first of all, first off, I only watched this because Falvey and a bunch of guys in the uh, Discord chat were really talking it up, and they're comparing it to, like, you know, this is, uh, this is what Star Wars didn't do. Like, they're doing it right, right? You know what I mean? Like, they've, they're, they're taking the old school and bringing it back in a way that uh, Star Wars should have, and, and that piqued my interest. I was like, all right. 
let's see what, what's going on here. Been a long time since I've watched these characters, other than Picard. Like I said, first two first two episodes of first season one. Um, this was a lot of fun, man. This was um, it got me back into it. It got me so much so that I was like pausing the show to go Google um, who's who and where's this person. Like, where's Will Wheaton? Like, I didn't know where he was. Right. Uh, I had no idea. He was, apparently he showed up in Picard season two. I didn't know that. Um, he was one of the big reasons I started watching it in the first place. Cause after stand by me, I'm like, Oh, I fucking let's do this. Um, where, like, where's he? And like, Oh, Oh, okay. That's his mom. Oh, okay. Where, oh, this and that and this and that. Um, I was really into this man. And I say, I paused it to go Google shit. I wasn't just going on my phone while watching it. Like, so that, you know, that really <laughs> shows interest. Like when I'm, when I'm at work and someone texts me or something like that and I pause the show, it means I'm into it. If I don't pause it and I just go up to my phone and I start answering texts and shit like that it happens all the time with uh, Pete and Alex. We just get into a, we've had like three conversations this week that are just all gifts. Um, I'm not bragging, but um, they're really fucking stupid. Like we're really like we're we're in our forties and we're gif con- conversing uh, for like long, like a lot of minutes in a row. <laughs> like not, I can't say hours, but way too many minutes in a row. Am I looking up gifts to respond to the last four gifts I got from those two idiots? All right, anyways. Um, uh, I love this man. This was so much fun has a lot to do with the storyline, you know what I mean? It's it's just a great sci-fi storyline. Um the villains are fucking really badass. Uh a lot of the characters here are great like, you know, getting reintroduced to these characters basically by my standards uh was a lot of fun. Uh there's one new character. I think he's new. I don't know. Again, I'm not a you know, Star Trek Fife like a lot of people are, but um Captain Liam Shaw who is the captain of one of the Starfleet uh, ships that has to come and rescue Picard and Riker. He's fucking great because he's like the guy he he's always just like, Oh yeah, you guys are fucking to me. Like he's like the guy that is hate watching Star Trek um, and, and has to deal with all the nostalgia. You know what I mean? Um, and it, this isn't like, I don't feel like this is like pulling at nostalgia strings here. It's just, it's like showing you people just to show you and have feels about them. Um, they're all integral to the, to the plot here. And they do a really good job at that. I like the comparisons to star Wars. I mean, they kind of do make sense. We got a, a brand new trilogy of star Wars and we were promised, not promised, but we were shown that we we're getting the old characters back. And I mean, I've never been, there's never been more hype for a, a movie um, in my lifetime than there was for force awakens. Um, and at the same time, we never got um, Han, Luke, Leia, Chewbacca, and Lando all at the same time. We never, we never got them together. Fuck, we barely, we didn't even get Han and Luke together at all. We barely got Han and Leia. So what they did here is they they bring them all together and they give them a mission, and it's like it's just like old times. It's just like an old episode of Star Trek Generation. They did a really really good job here. I enjoyed it. I don't know if it sucked me in and I'm, I'm like a Picard watcher now. Like I don't I think this is a one-off and it, it plays really well as a one-off. 
Um, I, I don't even know if this show's coming. I have no idea. But anyways, this fucking season of television was a lot of fun. And, uh, man, I wish everyone could uh, f- handle the, f- the, the retro fucking nostalgia throwback fucking thing like they did here. Because it, was, it wasn't just to be there. It was for a fucking purpose. And it really worked. All right. Uh, Sweet Tooth Season 2. Um, I don't know how many people watch Sweet Tooth. I don't think anyone else did on the show. Anyways, I watch it because the, create, the, the writer of the comic book is from my area. Um, in fact, like I, I live in Windsor, Essex County. His new show is based on his other graphic novel. It's called Essex County. The um, the city in this show, Sweet Tooth, I think it's the city. Yeah, I think it's called Essex County. Well, I know the zoo is at least called Essex uh, Essex County Zoo. Um, he he lives around here, Jeff Lemire, and um, I don't know if he still does, but whatever. So it, I was interested in it. The whole family watched the first season. For some reason, I can't get the whole family to get back into the second season. I guess it's a little long in the too little long in the Sweet Tooth. Anyways, Sweet Tooth is about these hybrid children and the uh, decimation of mankind. So right around the same time all these hybrid children were being born, they're like half human, half animal. Um, A a plague, like a sickness came over the world and about, I don't know, I I can't remember what the number is. I want to say like 80 something percent of the population died. So you have all these factions of survivors and um, most of them, you know, want to kill the hybrids. Some of them find out that, uh, that have scientists and whatnot, find out that there's something in the hybrids that can not cure, but help with the disease once it sets in to a human being. Season two is, uh, takes place after our main character, uh, Sweet Tooth, has been caught and brought to this camp and he's like uh they're all kept into the in the bottom of the zoo and they're going to be uh you know dissected or whatever for parts and um i don't don't know this is a hard sell to for anybody especially after watching it and i just i was so fucking annoyed um in season one we get one kit one hybrid basically right we may see pictures or hear stories of other hybrids but we get gus Gus is the kid from Cocaine Bear, the the boy that takes that fucking does the cocaine. It's pretty funny in that movie. He's okay for season here, but he gets he gets um, united with all the other hybrids in the show in this season. And from what I had believed, Gus was the only hybrid that could talk. That's why he was so special. None of the other ones had learned uh, language, how to speak yet. But he goes to this fucking zoo, and all the other hybrids are there, and they all can talk. This is where the show fucking goes downhill for me. These kids are the fucking worst actors I've ever seen. And they are given like very, very long scenes with a lot of dialogue. And it's supposed to, it's supposed to sound important and it's supposed to move the plot along. And all it does is annoy the fuck out of me. And I just can't get over how bad they read their lines and just... Just how poorly written they are overall. It's just really hard. And it doesn't help that like one's like a fucking turtle. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's bad enough that this kid is like, he doesn't, he's scared of the dark and he, he needs a nightlight, but he sings when he's happy and he's a turtle. Like, 
I get it. I get the concept of the show. I'm just saying that that adds to the fucking frustration of me watching this show. Uh, this fucking pig-nosed little girl fucking reading lines like it's written on the back of the fucking or the front of the person's face that she's, you know, standing in front of. It's just fucking brutal. It's so brutal. Ooh. Um, but that said, I mean, I was ready to tap out a couple episodes in, but the storyline of uh, what's going to happen to these kids and the the the, the main human character, uh, big man, Tommy Jeppard, uh, played by uh, Nanzo and Zoe, this fucking huge black dude, man. He's fucking great. I love this guy. And um, one of the other human characters, too, Bear, she is a teenage kind of rebel that her group goes around and protects the hybrids. Um, she's way better than I remember in last season. Anyways, those two carried it for me to the end. Um, and those two alone, I'm going to be honest with you. The main bad guy's okay. He looks like Jim Carrey in the Sonic movies. His bald head, big giant beard, fucking weird glasses. Um, he's pretty good too. So those three characters together, if it was just them, might you know, there's, there's a good show there, you know what I mean? But um, the inclusion... Not just the inclusion of the hybrids, but the 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 bigger parts for the hybrids is what kind of ruined this season for me. I did not enjoy um, them flapping their lips every fucking other scene. It was really annoying. Um, season three, yeah, I mean, probably. It's an easy watch. Usually comes out in these dump months, so there's nothing else to watch. And uh, I will, I will, I'll probably be back. I'll be back. Sweet Tooth season two is okay. It's not as good as the first season, but the storyline's pretty decent. All right, last one. Uh, the Power. This is... Who is this? Who wrote this shit? God damn it. You know, I already, I had this up, and I fucking took it off. Uh, Naomi Alderman wrote this book. I think it was just last year. Um, I was look, I think I was looking for gifts for Jess's birthday, and I was like, best, you know, Google best books of 2022 or whatever, 2023. And um, this is one of the books that pops up, The Power. And then I find out it's going to be a TV show. And then I find out fucking Tony Collette's in it. And I'm a big Tony Collette fan. And I was like, I'm in. I'm in. So I bought her the book. The show started like a week after I bought her the book. So I'm watching the show and she's reading the book at the same time. So it's like, you know, it, it's kind of cool. We can go back and forth. She brings up a character. I can tell her who's playing that character. Um, speaking of which, we got... Uh, Tony Collette, we got uh, Tohib Jamal, that, that's Sam from Ted Lasso, if you, um, if you watch that. And uh, anyone else of, to mention would be, I guess, uh, Johnny Legg. John Leguizamo plays Tony Collette's husband. Um, those are the main, you know, the main guys, the main, the, the most known actors in this show. The Power is about um, young women across the world develop this power to create electricity and control electricity coming from their body and while just on the surface it sounds like a superhero story or a comic book fucking series it's it's so far from that you know this is this is based like what if this really fucking happened you know what i mean like the, the novel was that way the tv show tries to follow it i assume i haven't read the novel but jess and i comparing notes seems that way very, very real um, situations. There's this uh, woman, this uh, young girl that's being abused by her foster parents. 
you can imagine how she uses her power. There's um, Tony Collette, who is uh, mayor and wants to run for governor, and her daughter gets it, and the governor is anti uh, this power, and she wants to shut it down. But Tony Collette, you know, is trying to stick up for young women across the world, and so they have a head to head. We have the daughter of um, like a mafia boss in the city, and she doesn't get the respect because she's kind of like, you know. Um, from a, a former wife and, and the mafia, the, the fucking leader of the mafia, his new family doesn't give her respect and she gets the power. And then there's this third world, third world country um, leader's wife who hates her husband and he's a fucking tyrant and then she gets the power. And all these stories are kind of going on at the same time, very, very nice and... Um, well-edited fucking cuts between each story uh by the end of the season you know a couple of them start blending in together we get this and we get that what i did not know was that the plan is obviously for multiple seasons for this seemed like a one-shot miniseries to me but i found out fairly quickly that (laughs) this is only a fraction of the book like jess was well beyond me very quickly in the book um, she even spoiled a couple things for me, but I mean, it, there was nothing we could do. I thought that it was just, this was the whole book. Um, so the end of this, I mean, not even probably a third of the book. Well, so maybe we'll get three seasons of this. I don't know. I, I enjoy this. I love Tony Collette. I think she's great. Um, John Leguizamo is really good. Them together, uh, give some fucking pretty powerful scenes, um, the Sam from uh, Ted Lasso storyline, he's the one that, uh, he's kind of the first guy to kind of go viral with his videos of all these women doing it, and he gets all these opportunities because of it, and he starts traveling the world and covering all these other um, countries and, and how their, um, you know, how it's affecting their culture and all that. And those are from some pretty fucking deep, some dark fucking scenes that's uh, very, very fucking uh, dramatic. Uh, but my favorite character, I think, in the show is this, uh, the, the, what's her name, Rosie? No, not Rosie. What the fuck's her name? Roxy. She is my favorite character. Um, she's just a little badass. Her mom gets murdered in, like, one of the first few episodes, and she's got this fucking chip on her so- shoulder. Um, and she, this, every fucking scene she's in, she's, uh, she's great, man. She seems to have a little bit more power than everyone else, and she's, uh, you know, coming up in the world. Uh, She's starting to uh, become popular because of it. A lot of good scenes in here. A lot of great, great scenes. A lot of interesting situations. There's this this, um, group, hate group, not hate group, but this group of men that uh, have this online campaign against, uh, you know, women with that have this power. And they're all like, oh, we need to take back, you know, our manhood. And we need to, it's like, it's like their version of like a white supremacy group, you know, in real life. And uh, that's the really good take on that, you know. And um, Tony Collette's son is like getting fucking messages from them. And he's starting to get interested in them. So there's that dynamic going on. And her, her own family is all fucking getting broken up there's a lot of good shit here uh i really like this i like i'm not gonna spoil it because I, I do recommend this to people it's on prime the whole season's out it's done um there's a lot of good um like the the what what it is the power like the explanation for it and uh where it comes from and why they have it i love all this 
it all it's just it just seems like a really and I know I, I just said it's not a comic book movie, but it seems like a really well written comic if it was. You know what I mean? Like that's how it comes off to me written wise, not not presentation wise. Um Jess finished the book. She loved the ending. She notoriously hates the ending for fucking everything she deals with. So that gives me very, very, very high hopes. Even though it's going to take me another two years to get to the end. I don't care. I'm in. The power is a good time. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that is my time. I I know I've been doing this on daily intervals. I know it's probably hard for me to just drone on for however many long, uh, how many minutes, hours this fucking podcast has been. Thank you for listening. I wanted to catch you up on everything that I'm doing. Um, maybe I'll do this every once in a while just to fucking, you know, dump out all the shit that I'm watching that I don't get a chance to talk about. And, um, that's it. That's it. That's the Minchcast for this week. Uh, we're going to go drink our faces off this weekend and we'll be back next week. Uh, sign up for our, uh, full binge, patreon.com slash binge media, five bucks a month. You get all of our shows. All of our tournaments, all of our commentaries, all of our um, everything, everything that we do. Please spread the word. <clears throat> it's been a long week. Thanks for listening. And. You've been listening to the Binge Media Podcast Network at bingemedia.net. Support the network and subscribe to the full binge at patreon.com slash binge media. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And don't forget. I was going to say, um, <laughs> what did you just say?